Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Coach Baseball Right podcast. I'm your host and founder of Coach Baseball Right, Steve Nicolarat. Join us as we go inside, outside, and all around baseball, discussing how to coach baseball the right way. Hi, everybody. Steve Nicolarat with Coach Baseball Right. If you are considering how to improve your organization, facility, or league, consider our organizational league facility certifications. These certifications are extremely affordable and you can choose from three different levels. Level one is our most affordable certification that starts with just your administrator getting access to our pro membership resources. And then all of your coaches can be put on the same page by using our rookie membership resources. Level two certification gets all your coaches in your entire organization using our pro membership resources together. Level two will help your coaches teach and develop consistently throughout your program. And level three, everyone in your organization, all administrators, all coaches, all parents, all get on the same page with access to our pro membership. Level three will completely transform your baseball program. Plus, we'll provide year-long follow-up for support strategies and ideas to help you and your organization maximize and use these certifications. If you're asking how you can make a difference for your organization, league, or facility, consider these organizational certifications. Hi, everybody. Our guest for today's Coach Baseball Right podcast is Dan Buck of Big Sports Properties. Dan's a former broadcaster and now managing partner of a major project called Powerplex Sports Resort. Dan has been involved in sports his entire life. He has played, coached youth sports, and watched from the sidelines as his children played at the high school and the collegiate level. Now, Dan is trying to change the family experience of youth tournaments. It's a very exciting venture and one that I hope really takes off. If you are a youth coach of baseball, softball, volleyball, basketball, you'll not want to miss this discussion. Sit back and enjoy our interview with Dan Buck. Hi, everybody. We're here with Dan Buck of Big Sports Properties, the managing partner of a project called Powerplex Sports Resort, which is being built here in the St. Louis area. Dan, welcome to our Coach Baseball Right podcast. Hi, Steve. How are you, sir? We've uh, known each other a long time, but I've admired your work on this whole new project and endeavor to help coaches and, and ball teams all across the United States uh, do it better, man. You you certainly have been a, a great force in the St. Louis baseball community. It's nice to see you sharing all that expertise with others. Well, hey, thank you so much. And I'm really excited about what we have going here with this project here in, in St. Louis you are putting together something that really could impact thousands of youth baseball, softball, volleyball, basketball coaches in the Midwestern part of the U.S. Hey, give us an overview of what you're doing. Well, you know, everybody knows that this industry is not going to get any smaller anytime soon. The, the travel sports industry is booming all across the United States. And, uh, you know, you and I have both been consumers and, and uh, parents and coaches in that uh ever-growing world, and, and one thing that always just kept, you know, showing itself to me and my friends and, and different people was that the, the ballparks are getting nicer, the gyms are getting bigger and better, but they really aren't addressing the needs of the family, and I mean the whole family, from siblings to 
mom and dad, uh, you know, the coaches and parent, uh, the coaches and players are getting resources they've never had before. But at the end of the day, where you eat, where you stay, where you find amusement, where you find recreation, is still kind of a, a you know, a forgotten piece of this youth sports tourism. So what we're trying to do is create a campus that can bring everything a family would want or need and keep it affordable and, more importantly, keep it fun, where families who are spending so much time and money on, on their kids' sports, and really it's their vacation money and it's their vacation time. We just want to create a place that addresses all those needs from fun things to do when you're not on the field or the courts um, and to where you're going to stay to restaurants that are happy to welcome a party of 40 uh, that all want to, they all want to sit together, but they all want separate checks. I mean, most restaurants look at you like you have 10 heads, right? So, um, you know, we, we want to do it better. We want to do it bigger and, and really create a campus that is full of fun and joy and, and, and allow families to come to St. Louis and enjoy what a great community and city we are. But at the same time, uh, give everybody on that team what they need, whether it's the grandparents who are visiting or, or mom or dad, or if there's two or three siblings who are tagging along. Um, I always felt bad for my, my uh, two that were never playing in the tournaments because they were traveling around either chasing my sister or, or brother their, their brother around. But, they, uh, you know, you, you can relate, right? I mean, those poor kids, they're, they're stuck to hotel rooms or swimming pools at the hotel and, and not much else to do. So, we're going to address that and really make it a special place for families. So I want to I want to really um, emphasize this to our listeners. The uniqueness of this project is that you're really catering not only to the athletes. You're going to have a great experience for them, but you're also trying to cater to the entire family with all the other uh, venues that you have uh, for them to experience. Right. We're talking movie theaters and rock climbing and zip lines and indoor and outdoor putt putt and water boats and and bumper cars and, and go-karts and, uh, you know, ninja courses. And we have an ice skating rink. We have all these things located on the exact same property as our eight turf ball fields, three of which are indoors under the largest dome in North America. So weather's guaranteed. Uh, we're also very close to the Bridgeton Athletic Association fields where we can run about 19 total fields for a tournament. And just making it a a phenomenal family experience. As you know, Steve, you know, you're on the field four or five hours a day and the rest of the time you're scrambling trying to keep 12 kids and their parents and their families and the grandparents, you know, organized and, and trying to find fun things to do. Well, we don't think there'll be any shortage of fun things to do on our campus. We're going to partner with Cabela's and Bass Pro Shop, which is a big anchor tenant on our campus, but they're going to be doing archery contest and, bass fishing and, and they're going to do kayaking on our canals and uh, we'll be offering all kinds of uh, you know competitions inside whether that be on golf simulators or baseball simulators we'll have retail we'll have spas for mom we'll have uh, you know great bars and restaurants we've got nine beach volleyball courts six of those are indoors we've got 10 pickleball courts we'll have badminton we'll have ping pong we'll have uh, cornhole, you know, areas. I mean, everything that, that teams and families want to do, they, they can do while they're here. And what we want to do is just create a great three- to five-day experience for families and, and let them know we care about them, you know, let them know that they do matter. I, I always felt like we were in a, a take, take, take world. They take your money, they take your roster, they, they take your insurance card, and then you don't see the tournament director for five days. And and that's not who we're going to be. We, we want to be attentive. We want to survey our families and want to know what we're addressing right what we're not addressing and by 
year two or year three, we will be the best sports resort in America, I can assure you. That sounds really exciting. And, and I, just, I just can't get over the idea that somebody flies into St. Louis or they drive in. They're going to get to this venue, and you don't have to leave. The whole three to five days, they're going to be right there with you. You know, and you you know this too. You know, if you, we get into towns, I don't. You know, I'm not going to name cities, but you get into communities, and you don't know the first thing about where to eat or where to go or what other fun things to do. And so often, you're not being helped by that tournament director uh, of what to do. And, and restaurants, you know, uh, aren't on campus. They're not accustomed. They may get sports teams, but it's not their primary focus. Our bar, our bars, our restaurants, our grills, our you know, places to eat. We have 13 restaurants in this venue. They're all going to be built from their POS system to how they serve people. They're going to be built to serve sports families and sports teams. So they're going to know how to get you in and out in 45 minutes, which I don't think ever happened in my 22 years of coaching, that we were able to get into a restaurant, get seated. You know, heck, it took 45 minutes sometimes just to get all of our drinks because they give you one server, and that poor girl would be, you know, humping drinks for the first 35 minutes. Uh, we're going to fix that. We're going to find a streamlined way to serve families and, and allow coaches and, and families to get in and out of restaurants and not make it a two-and-a-half-hour ordeal and, and then let them go out and enjoy all the great amenities from the movie theaters to the go-kart tracks to the ninja courses. I mean, so many fun things to do. Hey, Dan, who, um, who's your target audience for this? You know, I think it's it's kind of twofold. Number one, during the week, Sunday through Thursday, you know, during most of the year, we're catering to the local sports clubs and organizations, uh, including a lot of the lower income. I think one of the biggest things, Steve, we're facing in in, in sports in America is that we're outpricing a lot of kids. Uh, there used to be so much recreational opportunity, whether it was CYC or YMCA or Boys and Girls Club. Well, those leagues are vanishing, and, and it's because so many kids are starting club ball earlier and earlier. And, and while, yes, we will appeal to the, the club audience, especially on our weekend tournaments, during the week we want to make sure that a kid that wants to play can play and, and break down those economic barriers and provide scholarships and get kids into training programs who, you know, this is so skills-driven. I mean, the skill level of, of young athletes today is so good, so young. Um, and if you're not getting that kind of instruction, if you're not getting that kind of day to day reps and, and skills training, you're just going to fall behind so quickly. So we number one want to make sure that we're partnering with uh, groups, including the St. Louis Cardinals and Major League Baseball, who want to start a, a Major League Baseball academy. We're working with Bradley Beals Basketball Group, who's one of our partners and and a great St. Louis and who just loves kids. He wants to make sure that. He's got programs for every economic level. So I think during the week, you know, Sunday through Thursday, we're really focused on local, making sure everybody has access to sports. We're renting courts. We're making the venue available. And then, of course, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're welcoming teams in from a 12-state region who want to have fun, they want to play great competition, but more importantly, they want to have a great family vacation and an experience while they're out of town, and that's what we're going to provide. So just for a second, can we talk about um, the, during the week you've got a maybe a, a lower income uh, child um, in terms of, from family and and how would they be able to use the facility or take advantage of what you're offering? Well, a lot of this, and as you know too, a lot of this starts at the school district level, and the school districts have some great programs. They've got good athletics, uh, but it's only a start, you know, and and it's only a place where they can get so many months of practice. So. 
let's say you've got that uh, fifth grader who shows a lot of promise, a lot of heart, a lot of commitment for the game of baseball. Well, his his elementary school would not normally have a baseball program. But through our academy, we're going to allow, through the Cardinals and the support of, of Cardinals Care, the ability to get these kids out of those schools right after school, 3 to 5. Our club teams don't normally start up till 5.30 or 6. We'll get two and a half hours with those kids. And, again, we are looking for commitments. It's not necessarily a commitment of dollars, but we want kids who understand that this is a disciplined sport and it requires punctuality. It requires you to show up on time. Um, and with that, we'll be teaching a lot of life lessons, a lot of character development that goes with that. Um, I think every sport, whether it's basketball or volleyball or baseball or softball, takes such levels of discipline and and uh, and respect and, and leadership and teamwork and so many things that unfortunately haven't been being taught, and I don't mean that negatively. I think it's not a, Mike Patini says it all the time, it's not a lack of love. It's just a lack of education, and that's because coaches aren't given the tools, they're not given the curriculum, they're not given, you know, all the things they need to incorporate this type of stuff. They're great coaches when it comes to teaching a kid a backhand or or hitting the ball inside out or or learning how to bunt or learning how to, you know, get the right launch angle. That's all. That's all easy fundamental stuff. What What's harder, and especially for coaches who've never been, you know, asked to really look deeper at these kids' lives, is you know, how can we teach this kid just to be a little bit more respectful, not just to you as a coach, but to the umpires and to his parents and to his teachers and understand the importance of education and, and how, you know, sports will be fleeting in these kids' lives. Uh, you know, of every 10-year-old playing sports today, no matter how, what level or what income level, only about 5% will even make their high school varsity team. So the question Matheny always asks is, what are we doing for the other 95%? You know, we're skilling and drilling them to death but do we have an opportunity to do more in their life? And, and that's where we really want to bring an emphasis of, okay, you want to be in our academy, you want to come here and play, yes, we can make a scholarship happen, but here's here's some other training you're going to go through, and it's going to be academic disciplines. It's going to be, you know, emotional control training. It's going to be uh, leadership and teamwork and respect and having an attitude of gratitude and giving back to your community and all these things that you've got hundreds of hours of years with these kids you know, every year, literally hundreds of hours to teach them things about life. And, and I think that's what I'm most excited about is, yes, we're going to create great athletes, but at the end of the day, we're also going to create some great people, people who uh, not only love the game but understand the, the responsibility that comes with that, and that is that you've got to give back to the game. You've got to give back to your community. And, and uh, having people like Bradley Beal and Mike Matheny and Sue Inquest and, and some great coaches around the country who totally buy in and understand the importance of this second layer, right? It's the first layer is the easy stuff, the skills and drills. The second layer of really diving into these kids' lives and saying, you know, hey, what more can we do for this child to make him a great human being? And uh, that's what I think we're all most excited about from our ownership group to uh, our investors, to our partners, to our corporate uh, friends. I mean, that's what gets us all excited. You know, um, I, I've taught and coached for a long time, and, and uh, there's probably not a banquet I haven't finished with or a class when I teach that I, I remind the kids that, you know, I'm really proud of the baseball part of the, the computer stuff that I teach in class, but but the most important thing I think that we do as a program has very little to do with baseball skills. It, it has everything to do with life skills and, you know, how to be a better person, how to handle things the, the right way, how to be, ultimately how to be a good dad, how to be a good husband, how to be a good friend, a good son. So I'm, I'm really, really happy that to hear 
that this is going to be a focus for um, for for your um, your endeavor. It's really exciting to me. And Steve, you know this as well as anybody being in the coaching world as long as you have. It just isn't going to be, you know, everybody all in, everybody believes in this. We get it. You know, there's some people who have all the answers or they, they're – they they think their program's doing it right, and we get it. We're not we're not looking at a hundred percent you know buy in here. What we're looking for are people who who might just ask the question: Are we doing enough for these people? Not just these ball players, but are we doing enough for these young people? And and is there more? Maybe as a coach, I can push myself to to really reach a little deeper and go a little deeper into their lives and and do do something that's maybe a little bigger than baseball or softball or basketball or volleyball and. And if we get 50% participation in our first year of people who will go to these voluntary programs and go to these free seminars and these workshops and, and we'll, you know, take advantage of all the keynote speakers and the people we'll have every weekend when we're hosting tournaments, we think that'll be a huge success. And if it's, if it's 20%, guess what? We're going to, we're going to help 20% kind of look at the game differently. And that's all, you know, that's all Matheny and, and the rest of us have, have talked about. We're not here to change the game. We're just here to get the conversation started, right? Can, can we just do a little bit more in this whole character development world and we get these kids for so long every single year? Can we just take the time and, and dive in a little bit deeper into their lives and see if there's there's just a little bit more we can do? And we think the answer is yes. I think every coach will tell you that, um, you know, Sue Enquist, I don't know if you know her from, from UCLA, who's got one more NCAA softball tournaments than anything else. You know, she talked about how there's two phases of her life. One when it was win at all cost, and she drove her kids and drove her kids and drove her kids. But she didn't. She didn't care anything about those kids off the field. She didn't care what they were going through, if their parents were getting a divorce, or grandma had cancer, or whatever. But her second chapter of her life was about really trying to understand her ball players at a at a deeper level. And those are the those are the people and those are the players that still call through every day and invite her to their weddings and invite her to their baptisms and and want want you know want her to be a part of their lives. Those early kids, they they, they can't probably they don't like the Sue and Chris that started off. And, and I, I was one of those coaches. I think I was a, at early in my career it was all about win 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 skill and drill and skill and drill and and you didn't really take the time to get to know those twelve individuals on a on a deeper level. And once I kind of accepted that. Not only did I become a better coach, but my players became better people. It was it was remarkable how the culture you create as a coach filters through them, and how they treat each other, and how they treat their parents, and how it was a, just amazing transformation. That as I bettered myself and really started reaching out to people and started reading more and trying to figure out how I could do more, it was remarkable how the you know my while well, I might have become a better coach, I could see my players and the development. And they obviously became better teams, too. They were more tight-knit, and they were more caring towards each other. And, and we were winning tournaments. We had no business winning. You know, we, were, we, we didn't have the skill. We didn't have the – but they just believed in each other. And that kind of camaraderie and that kind of teamwork is, is, is kind of becoming a lost trait in some, some respects. Um, and I hope that's something we can really instill in, in, in teams and, and coaches and players who come here. Can you talk just for a second about – for the teams that are participating in your weekend tournaments, you're going to be offering uh, during off off hours, so to speak, opportunities for these coaches and parents to be attending some of these seminars. Is that correct? Yeah. So we we it was called the Base Foundation. They've kind of rebranded themselves to be called Game Changer Athletes. But it's programs that'll be 
design and, and actual curriculum classes and, and their classes are so fun too. They get people out of their chairs and they do things interactively and anywhere from classroom sizes of 25 people to 300 people. But you'll have keynote speakers. The executive director is Rachel Hansen, the former head coach at Stanford University Softball. And, and she just is an amazing, amazing person at getting kids to really open up and talk about what's right and what's wrong with their game. And, and what she found at Stanford, I mean, here's a, here's, here's a coach dealing with the top one percenters of the one percenters. Not only were they good enough to play in the Pac-12, but they were also able to get a 29 on their ACT and, and, and get into a great school like Stanford, right? And she talked about how so many of them would show up their freshman year just broken, broken individuals. They hated, they hated the game. They hated their parents. They hated the game. They hated their coach, in, you know, generationally because their coaches were, were just driving at such level. And, and she just said they were mentally, physically, and emotionally broken. And it, it took her months just to try to unravel all of the mess and baggage that they'd be carrying into college after all these years of, you know, exceptional care. And, boy, you talk about having a problem with failure recovery. She said, you know, these are girls that come out of high schools where they were dominating, and now they get into the Pac-12 and they're striking out every third at bat and hitting a buck 20, and they can't figure it out, and they just mentally break down. Why? Well, they weren't trained to, to embrace failure. They weren't, It wasn't part of their vernacular. You know, they, they never failed, ever. In their life did they ever fail. So that kind of, like, just teaching people that failure is part of the game and respecting failure and understanding that it's never final, that you have an opportunity to really turn the table, and whether that be understanding your emotional triggers and understanding how what are, what are coping mechanisms and what are three key coping mechanisms that you can implement to your game that are based on on your failure, you know, uh, your failure recovery plan. You know how many players don't have a failure recovery plan? And, and you're talking about a game of baseball where you're hitting 300 if you're a star, right? You're failing seven out of ten times. You better figure out a failure recovery <laughs> plan. You better have coping mechanisms or this game's going to eat you for lunch. So she spends a lot of time in that mental side of the game, and all that will be part of our tournament. So you're going to be able to go and listen to great college speakers and great you know, uh, mental health, uh, sports psychologist and, and people, you know, we're seeing huge anxiety and huge depression and huge, you know, problems and family dynamics that are just being disseminated because of sports. And that is not, is not why we, why we play sports. It should be just the opposite. It It should bind families. It should unite people. It should give them great mental health. It should give them confidence. Instead, we're getting just the reverse happening right now because of undue pressure and and she spends a lot of time addressing that in her in her instructions of let's make sure our priorities are right here what what are we really emphasizing that's important and hopefully that college scholarship is very low on the list because you know the bottom line is a lot of kids won't play at the college level but there's 30 things above that college scholarship that they can learn and love and enjoy and have fun and and do and make make lifelong friends those are the things that we should be valued and important, and, and I, I think you'll love listening to what the Base Foundation or our Game Changer athletes will bring to the table at our tournaments. It's going to be refreshingly different. I will tell you that we're going to offer those those programs. Uh, I've, I've never been to a tournament where anything closely resembling that was ever offered, and I think it's just one more thing you can do during your day, whether it's an hour or two hours a a weekend that you kind of carve out with your with your team to just go in and listen and again not change the world not not get everybody to adopt a whole new philosophy of coaching just maybe start a new conversation around some new elements that might make everybody a better coach and better player 
Hi everybody. If you are considering how to improve your organization, facility, or league, consider our organizational league facility certifications. These certifications are extremely affordable and you can choose from three different levels. Level one is our most affordable certification that starts with just your administrator getting access to our pro membership resources. And then all of your coaches can be put on the same page by using our rookie membership resources. Level two certification gets all your coaches in your entire organization using our pro membership resources together. Level two will help your coaches teach and develop consistently throughout your program. And level three, everyone in your organization, all administrators, all coaches, all parents, all get on the same page with access to our pro membership. Level three will completely transform your baseball program. Plus, we'll provide year-long follow-up for support, strategies, and ideas to help you and your organization maximize and use these certifications. If you're asking how you can make a difference for your organization, league, or facility, consider these organizational certifications. Hey, can you talk just for a second about your sports incubator, what, uh, what that is? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of great nonprofits have been reaching out to us saying, hey, is there a place for us? Is there a space for us? So we started looking kind of hard at this. I mean, obviously, in a large retail center, and we, we've got 1.5 million square feet, so we've got some spaces, and we had always, always designed a, a major education wing that was going to be a part of it for the base foundation, but they weren't going to use it all the time. So we said, well, what else could we do, and who else could we serve? Uh, you know, the Police Association League or the Boys and Girls Club or does the Boy Scouts want to come in or does, you know, um, Coach Baseball Right want to have a space where they don't have to come in and rent a large space and have a huge rent and have the cam and have all those things. Give it to them for no, low to no cost and allow them to share services, whether that be the receptionist and the conference rooms and the education rooms and the auditorium, and they just basically get to run their mission and, more importantly, collaborate together. We have a lot of great organizations out there that don't always know what the other great organizations are doing. We want to be able to be that convener, if you will, or have, have our place be a space where you could come in, great R&D, you know, a research center that could just allow you to come in and develop programs and try things out and find out what works and what doesn't work. And that's not just nonprofits either. That's some for-profit companies. We think there's great opportunities in the technology space and the, in the product development space that uh, also could be a good fit in that same incubator where both for-profits and nonprofits could work together, have a great mission focus to it, but at the same time really improve the whole culture and, and all the many elements around the youth sports industry, which, you know, it's a $20 billion industry, and most financial analysts uh, say that it's going to grow to a $40 billion industry. So we know there's a lot of people who will be looking, you know, to do research and development, and we think this would be a great space to do it uh, in, in this incubator environment. Dan, you are um, a sports guy. You you played. You um, You still play. You, uh, you've coached, you've been a parent, so you've seen it from lots of perspectives. Can you talk today specifically about shortcomings that, that you see in youth sports? Wow. Um, there's a lot there. I mean, you know, and again, don't want to be critical because you never want to paint this with a broad brush because there's so many great coaches out there doing it right and, and programs and organizations who truly see the whole person and, and, and I think that's really where I'd say we've gone astray. Um, I look back to, you know, my growing up and 
I have such a passion for the game of baseball and for softball and and it was born at age six, right? And it was born because of coaches who, you know, believed in the skinny kid, <laughs> you know, believed in the guy who uh, was undersized but had a heart of gold, and I just committed to it. And that the lifelong friends of the game brings you and teaches you. And, um, you know, I, I have friends today. In fact, I was on the phone this morning with Mike Murphy. He was the guy who met me at Harmon Park every day from – nine in the morning until, you know, one o'clock when it got too hot to play, we'd go to the pool for three hours and then we'd meet back at four thirty at the ballpark and play some home run derby. And, you know, I think that that's the number one biggest thing I think we're missing right now in youth sports is that unstructured play. Uh, you learn so much in unstructured play about yourself, about your about your friends, about the game. Uh, you got to be creative. You got to be innovative. You got to learn to lead. You got to learn how to pick teams on your own. And and I think we miss out on a lot of the gifts that baseball and softball and basketball and volleyball can bring when every single thing these kids do has to be supervised or instructed or skilled and drilled to death. Uh, we are, and again, skill levels are an all-time high. I get it. I mean, there's kids doing things at 10 that I never dreamed of doing at 10 in terms of, of skill development. But are they enjoying it? Are they really, really enjoying it? Or is it because mom and dad are pushing them so hard, right? Um, and I believe if you do a little bit of the skill development, you know, one, maybe two days a week, then you found two or three days a week where you could just turn them loose on a field or a ballpark or a corner lot and do wiffle ball and, and, and let them be kids too. You know how many kids today have never fished? You know, they've never rode a horse. They've never done, they've never gone swimming. I, I always laugh at these coaches who say, I'm not going to let my kids swim on, on game day. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? They just played four hours of baseball and they can't go back to the pool and swim? I was never that bad, you know? I mean, because guess what? That's part of the experience. That's part of a, being a kid is splashing around and swimming and having fun. And, and so, you know, I, I think those two things. One is, are we are we letting kids be kids? Are we just turning them loose and, and or are we stripping them of their, of their childhood because of some dream of a college scholarship, right? Number one, if you're good, you're talented, you're going to get found. This day and age, you just can't hide, right? Um, don't worry about it. If your kid's playing the game right, he's playing it hard, he's a great teammate, and and he's got the athleticism, he'll, that, that's a given in this day and age. You're going to get signed. Um, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm dying, uh, and I don't mean to change horses, I'm dying at these some of these college programs that are signing kids 13? Well, and guess what? The NCAA allows that coach to bail anytime he wants. But people are committing to a school at 13? What, what, what is that all about? I, I, to me, that is just dumbfounding because, number one, the player I was at 13 and the player I was at 18 were totally different kids, right? I mean, I matured late, and these coaches, they make the commitment, but if a better kid comes along or if that 13-year-old doesn't develop the way they like it, they can walk away from that anytime they want. You can verbal all you want, but there's no there's no contract there. They can't legally sign you until your junior year. So until it's legally on a on a document, that that that's just a meaningless thing. Now some people think, oh, it, it's going to increase increase my chances on the draft board. Um, yeah, but you still got to perform, right? It still gets down to what you're doing day in and day out, and how you're preparing, and and, and what you're showing when you're 17 or 18 when you're ready to be drafted. They're not going to draft you because you you gave a verbal when you were 13. So I digress. So number one, I think we've lost this whole be a kid, let them play, more unstructured play. And then on the back side of that, I would just say that um, we as coaches have a greater responsibility today than I think we've ever had, and and, and I think we've got to give coaches more tools to manage that. Um, 
where we're dealing with a lot of mental health issues that didn't exist in our day, from the cyberbullying to the, you know, to the, um, you know, broken homes and, and more and more divorce and kids who are just struggling to grow up. And, and a lot of that falls to teachers and, and coaches today. And I don't think we're equipping them right. I don't think we're giving them the tools to really learn to listen and, more importantly, to help identify those warning signs when you're reading articles of a 14-year-old softball player, one of the highest prospects in the country out in California, you know, taking her own life because the pressure was too much. Everybody should stop and pause, right, and say, okay, could that be me? And could that be us? And could that be my team? Could it be somebody on my team? Because you don't know. If you're not looking for it, you know, you don't know. And I think those are the things. I think we got to do a better job of equipping our coaches for a whole new generation of problems that weren't around 15 years ago. The pressures on our teenagers and our kids today whether it be, you know, uh, made by the parent or made by the coaches or, in some cases, just made by the industry itself. I think we owe it to ourselves to really pause and say, is that really the right direction? And if, if it is, we've got to have some, fail ch- you know, some, some safety precautions put in place that help us identify when a kid's under too much pressure. You know, Dan, that's one of the things that, that we're doing at Coach Baseball, right, is it's not only providing coaches with those um, – those baseball skill sets they need to become better coaches, but helping them identify opportunities to help kids grow and opportunities to see when a kid's in trouble. And and I think you're 100% right. This is this has to become uh, one of the main emphasis of guys that are and gals that are are are, are uh, having a coaching career. Um, now let me ask you this: um, as a parent. Okay, what do you hope for when your kids participate in sport? What do you want your kids to get out of their sporting experience? Well, I think I think number one, friendship. You know, I mean, in this day and age where you know you got seven hundred friends on Facebook, but do you really have a friend? I love what sports does for kids' lives. I love the fact that I always knew my my daughter's eleven best friends because she was on the field with them every day. You know, I love the ability that the game teaches about how to pick each other up and, you know, not being critical when, you know, nobody feels worse when that kid strikes out, bases loaded in seventh, right? You can get mad at them, you can, you can, you know, talk behind their back, or you can be a great friend and lift them up, right? And, and let them, you know, work on that failure recovery. So I think the ability to bring friendship into kids' lives at a time when friends are hard to come by, real friends are hard to come by in this in this kind of social media world, uh, where, where, where kids can be pretty rough. I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, they're they're they can be pretty brutal on each other. If you've got a great culture within a sports team um, that teaches the importance and the value of teamwork and and friendship and and having each other's back, and that you're a unit, and that you you know. You're only as good as your weakest player. Uh, you start communicating that, and you get that buy-in from twelve young kids. That's the greatest life lesson they're probably going to have ever, because they're going to learn how to work in a in a team dynamic. They're going to learn how to be a true friend. So, for me, as a as a parent, um, I would say I want sports to deliver my child, son or daughter, the absolute best friends they'll ever have in, the, in their life. And if I do that as a coach, if I'm able to provide that kind of a culture that everybody on that team sees each other as a friend, man, oh, man, imagine, you know, this day and age of having 12 best friends, right? I mean, that's, that's, awesome. that's, 
That's it doesn't, and that's a rarity. I mean, you hate to say it. Most most friends, if you ask your kid how many really true friends they have, they're probably going to tell you two or three names. And and man, oh man, that's that's limited, brother. I mean, uh, you need more friends in life than than two or three to get you through. And um, I think teaching them that whole importance of of teamwork and that everybody on this team's got to have each other's back. Boy, you can build a bond there that that'll last them a lifetime. They'll learn how to treat people and work and treat people in their future and treat their family and and have more fruitful relationships because you taught them that as a young as a young person. Hey Dan, what are your expectations of a coach when you uh, when you drop your kid off at practice? What do you expect of that coach? Well, you know, and ages vary, right? So, you know, the expectation of a someone coaching my seven-year-old is going to be a much different than the coach who's coaching my 17-year-old. But I would say early, uh, my early childhood development years, I want a coach who keeps it fun. And I mean finds ways to break up the monotony, right? Because the number one thing I think that drives kids away from sports and into gaming and into other activities is that it's overstructured. It's 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 either too much skill instruction or it's absolutely boring stand around because somebody's in love with a fungo bat, um, and or a coach who just thinks you put twelve kids in the field and throw one kid batting practice at a time. So somebody's just going to keep them active, keep them moving, keep it fun, do things that are unpredicted. You know, the, I love the coach who shows up and he says, "Hey, today we're playing flag football. Everybody grab a you know," and you're like, "What? We're a, we're a, we are a uh, softball team, right? Well, for a 10-year-old team to be able to break up the monotony when he sees they're a little burned out and says, hey, today we're going to put the flags on and we're going to play flag football for an hour. Well, guess what they're doing? They're learning hand-eye coordination. They're learning teamwork. They're learning how to work together. They're learning uh, a skill set that they're not learning. They're learning lateral movement. They're learning how to make cuts and coverage and, and, and uh, you know do different things that, uh, that baseball doesn't bring to you. So I love coaches who can make it fun. And then as you get older, you want to have a coach who who really understands the the whole game, and and that includes those mental sides of the game. I think, you know, there's a whole lot of talented, highly skilled athletes out there who just get frustrated with the game because they can't deal with failure. They can't, you know, cope with the changes. They can't cope with the the increased miles per hour that they're seeing from the mound that they didn't see three years ago, you know. So uh, somebody can really be adaptive and adjust and coach the individual. In other words, they're not stuck in their, their way of thinking. You know, um, you know, not everybody can be a rotational hitter. You know, not everybody's going to have a 28-degree launch angle, right? There's certain things that you've got to coach to the player and the individual, and I love coaches who really have an individual approach on every single athlete. Um, you know, I think you've get you've got to look at their tools, whether they bring to the table, and then build a program that fits that physique and that you know and that kid's physical abilities. I think this cookie cutter world we live in right now, a little bit in coaching, where everybody's a, a robot and they all are going to do it the exact same way. Well, the kid six foot five, you know, six foot five, two twenty, he better have a twenty eight degree launch angle, right? You want him hitting balls out of the yard, but the buck sixty kid who's 16 and he's, you know, hasn't fully matured yet. He's kind of scrawny, but man, he can bun, he can slap and he can do a lot of other things with the stick and, and be a catalyst for the offense. Um, you know, that's the kind of coach I love who, who builds a whole different program for that, that 160 pound kid. So, um, you know, I just think we have a, um, a unique opportunity as coaches to really, really touch lives and doing that in an individualistic way. 
Um, and then, you know, I also, and this is more of my spiritual side coming out here too, I want to coach with high values and high character, you know, who's not afraid to pray with his kids, right? Who's not afraid to share his faith or share share what's important to him and is, is transparent um, in, in his faith walk or in his, in his real life. I think, I think that goes a long ways as a parent that, you know, number one, I see a, a guy who's comfortable with who he is and what he does and, and, you know, wants to be a great role model influence on my kid. That, that means a lot too. Hey, Dan, we're getting down towards the end of our, of our time, but I, I did want to ask you one last question. Um, what, what would you say if you, if you, if you had just a, a few minutes to talk to a, a parent today, what would you say to them as they put their kids in sports? What, uh, what is it that, uh, what message would you like to give to them as a guy that's been through it, as a player, as a coach, as a, uh, a parent? What is it that you've learned that you would like to share with them? You know, I mean, you know, I love the Matheny thought that there's, there's never a lack of love ever. Parents love their kids. They wouldn't spend the time and the effort and the money on these kids' sports if they didn't love them. But I just would ask them to, to make sure they're keeping the perspective right. You know, that uh, understand if your kid works out and, and he, and he plays the game hard, he, you know, and he really has a passion for whatever game you're playing, um, the future will, will find him. You don't have to find his future. What I would just beg parents to do and is just love on your kid. Don't, don't be that parent. You know, that windshield time will be stuff and time that you'll cherish if you use it right. But if you, if it's uh, windshield time is always second guessing them and doubting them and asking them why they didn't do this at this time. Why didn't you swing at that pitch? And why didn't you do this? And what were you thinking when you should have thrown the ball a second? I mean, nobody in the place feels worse after a game, after a kid's failed or hasn't done something right than that child. Be the parent that lifts him up, that tells him it's okay and take him out to ice cream and change the subject and, and, and talk about something else. Talk about the family dog or whatever. My mom used to sit in the bleachers and read a book. Right. And, and it didn't, she didn't know, she didn't know a lot of what was going on in the field, but when the game was over, she loved me as her son. She didn't love me because I could play ball well. Right. Um, I never forget. I threw a one hitter in college and I gave up the hit in the last inning in the ninth with two out and bases empty and an O two count. And I'm one pitch away from a college, no hitter and, and a guy's singles because I threw a meat pitch right down the middle of the plate, tried to elevate it. Well, I didn't elevate it and he roped it to left for a single and, you know, I get in the car, and I'm all bummed out. And I'm like, oh, Mom. And she goes, well, you won. Good job, honey. And I said, well, no, Mom. I blew a no-hitter with two out and two strikes on the last hitter. And she goes, a no-hitter. Well, isn't that – do you still win if you don't get a no-hitter? <laughs> and she just put it in perspective for me of like, gosh, you know, a no-hitter will come some other day. I, I just threw a gem. I just threw a shutout. I, you know, I should be very proud of myself. And, and my mom just kind of always kept that perspective of me of – Team first, you're not that important. You know, your your personal goals or your statistics are never more important than that number nine hole hitter. And, you know, and, and she would always also single out that kid who also, you know, didn't always do so well. But, boy, when he did something well, I heard it from my mom. Did you see what Timmy did? Oh, my God, wasn't that awesome? Man, oh, man, he, dove, he laid out for that ball and he caught it. Did you see it? I'm like, Timmy hasn't made a play like that all year, you know. And I'm like, but she was reminding me that, you know what, Timmy's important to this team, and it's up to you to, to lift him up. So be, I would just say be that parent that keeps it fun, 
don't get too stressed out. Don't, don't, don't take the baggage. You know, that windshield time will be cherished if you do it right. And, and your, your kid's going to flourish in the game so much more if it's his game, not yours. And so find ways to encourage him and support him, but don't, don't push him to the point where he wants to walk away. And unfortunately, I've coached a lot of great athletes who, who did just that. They walked away because they couldn't handle the parental pressure. You know, at 15, 16, they, they get really rebellious and they get really uh, self-opinionated. And while you think they're going to tolerate it forever, they won't. And I just tell you, if you're a, tw- a parent of a 10 or 11 or 12-year-old and you're that, that parent who's, who's maybe pushing a little too hard, trust me, a rebellion is coming. I've never seen it not happen. And I just I, I encourage parents to keep it fun and keep, keep the uh, priorities in order. You know, what's really important is your kid and his health and his wellness and his mental health. Never make the game be a burden, ever. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for some great um, great words of, uh, words of wisdom and, and some great insight for our, our coaches and our parents that are out there. I really appreciate your time today, and I certainly wish you and the project the very, very best. Well, Steve, appreciate everything you do for the game and, and for the game of baseball as well as softball. I know you're working with a lot of softball teams now as well. And we need more people like Steve McCall around, around this game and, and addressing some of these these issues. It's not broken to, to the point we can't fix it. Um, that's the great news about it is it's still one of the greatest games ever invented. And as you know, also as volleyball and basketball, I just think we have a great opportunity to do some, uh, some culture change. And let's hope that that happens at the Powerplex. Thank you. I think it will. Thanks, Dan. Take care now. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dan Buck, managing partner of PowerPlex Sports Resort. Trying to change the experience of families at youth tournaments is a great idea. Imagine going to a tournament and there is something there for everyone. Movie theaters, restaurants, go-karts, and so much to keep the entire family engaged. Dan spoke of the importance of character and emotional development for the kids and how these traits might be learned through playing sports. Providing opportunities for coaches and parents to hear from some very qualified people on these topics is something Dan hopes will make a difference in the tournament experience. Dan also discussed some of the concerns facing youth sports today. Too much pressure on the athletes, coaches who do not have the resources to meet the needs that kids are facing today, the importance of having a failure recovery plan, and his advice for parents for the car to ride home after a tough game. I want to thank Dan for his wisdom and insights and wish him the very best with the PowerPlex Sports Resort. Thanks for listening, and I want to ask everyone to please share the link to this Coach Baseball Ride podcast episode on Facebook and Twitter. 